Did you know a turkey puppet once ran for the presidency of Ireland? Did you know that meat once rained from the skies of Kentucky? Did you know that there was an emperor of the United States for a while? Then listen to the Wiki Ship Down podcast. We live in an age when the sum total of humanity's knowledge can be found in your pocket on a smartphone at any given time. But when that knowledge is peer editable, like it is on Wikipedia, what does that say about mankind? So follow us down the digital rabbit hole as we drink, joke, and curse our way through the random button on Wikipedia and see where our journey through humanity's knowledge takes us. While you're at it, follow us on all social media at Wikiship Down. I'm Ruthann. I'm Ryan. And be sure to find us every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. All systems are go. Uh, all right. So we are rolling. Counting us down. Ooh. Three. Yeah. Two. I prefer Gennaro's, but what do I know? I'm a skull bear. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Missing Out. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael. And we are joined once again by our special guest, J.Q. Salazar. Hey. Hey. Hey, it's, it's a guy who yeah. does the rights. You do the uh, published, published author, J.Q. Salazar. Hello. That's true. Hi there. There he is. Yes, since uh, since the last time you were here, you your uh, story has been published. Yeah. So you're famous now. What's that like? Uh, not much different. <laughs> no, that's good. Oh, man. It's, it's good Such that, humility. It's right. Great. It's so nice to know that you stayed grounded and you, you haven't forgotten where your roots are. Yeah. Well, that's really sweet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, real, real quick, so we don't forget later in the show, uh, where can people find your uh, story that got published? Uh, it's in a book you can buy on Amazon. I'd have to. I can give you the link later. Link later. All right, we yeah, can like we can like post that it. up somewhere. What is the what is the collection called? It is Stories Through the Ages, twenty eighteen College Edition. All right, so go go find that. We'll we'll throw a link up somewhere, maybe in the show description. Yeah. Definitely. Right. So now we're here. We're all here. We're all very excited. The, the 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 tingles, the tingle feelings. Like my cells are splitting rapidly. Oh man, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, if this is your first time listening, make sure to uh, subscribe and do all those things. But if again, also if this is your first time listening, what we do here is we introduce each other to different media, whether it be TV, music, television, spoken word, different experiences, books. Ooh, all those good, yummy things that we consume. Tasty books. We talk about how it's built us up. Glossy we digest paper. it. It becomes part Ooh, of so us. I don't know why he eats all that paper, <laughs> but <laughs> it's biodegradable, he baby. Definitely thinks he's doing that's, something. That's how you. That's how you take in content. Uh, that sweet, Caught sweet him chewing yum, on a yum DVD yum once. Stuff. He's um, and we share it with each other, and we share it with you, the audience. Uh, and we hope it builds you. Uh, this week we are talking about the Alex Garland visual spectacular Annihilation, uh, created in 2018, released uh, in different manners. Um, some would say poorly. Um, <laughs> A little uh, background, uh, and guys, please uh, correct me on any accounts. Um, but in early uh, in early screenings, the uh, Paramount was like, "Yo, this this film too smart. We just gonna give it to Netflix." Essentially, ne yeah. For worldwide yeah. distribution, they handed off the the rights to Netflix because you're right. Apparently, it was quote unquote too smart for general audiences in their right. estimation. Yeah. Um, and so they had both, so they had made that deal. They had also sent notes to, um, Garland being like, yo, change the ending and, uh, you know, make, make, uh, Natalie Portman more sympathetic. And then the editor was like, no, that's stupid. We're not going to do that. Uh, and so they got to keep their ending. No, no additional notes done. Um, it was distributed, uh, theatrically in limited, uh, viewing in the United States. Uh, and now uh, you can find it on Amazon. You can find it on YouTube streaming. By that I mean like you you just pay gate it. Um, right, right, right. Uh, oddly enough, not on Netflix in the U.S., Interesting. which I hate. It doesn't make a ton of sense, does it? Uh, no, it really aggravates me. Uh, Although it makes a certain amount of sense, right? Like if you log into Netflix in Canada, you get a different selection of like you'd, you'd see before I think Disney Marvel had their specific streaming deal in place. You'd be able to find Marvel stuff from Canada that you wouldn't be able to find on Netflix in the US. I know, but like 
after the limited after the limited uh, theatrical release, it should have just been like, all right, cool, let's flip the switch to turn it on in the U.S. Like literally that easy. But you know, it's it's a whole licensing issue. Um, but hey, I, I am curious as to why they couldn't just extend their deal into other territories. Uh, Ted Sarandos, if you're listening, tweet at us at Missing Outcast and let us know. Uh, the super inside baseball details of why, despite worldwide Netflix distribution, uh, the U.S. still does not have it on Netflix. Yeah. Please let us know. Um, but you can also get it on Amazon. Like you can get a physical copy, uh, which I, I recommend. Uh, actually, if you'd like, you can click a link in the description uh, and get it directly from our uh, our. Amazon link. It helps us. Helps the show. It's dope. We have Amazon links, like like real boys. Hell yeah, we're real boys now. Um, but that we, was like a we, like a Mickey Mouse Pinocchio hybrid. Um, I mean, it was specifically that was the like the Pinocchio from Shrek. Got it. That yes. tracks for me because it, uh-huh. it like I got this mental image of like a Pinocchio Mickey chimera, and it was really, really, really upsetting. I mean, it sounds very disturbing. I don't like it. We actually we got it popped into my head. It occurred to me to bring up Annihilation this week because last week we talked about uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, yes, and that subplot involving the the little girl dog chimera still is just is haunting me. Oh yeah, is haunting You'll me have like nightmares like for a death's long time. hand is on my shoulder at all times, and all all then I could think about after that was the the skull bear from annihilation yes um oh sweet sweet i i had read something that the skull bear actually has a name um so paddington being released paddington being based off of a specific train station that's really nice there's another one not so good in uh, on the bad side of the tracks uh and i think it's called like baddington yes it's called baddington um i think if now i've forgotten it it's like home <laughs> homington or homestead or something to that effect okay um anyway so uh we thought we would bring in jq he loves this movie you and him are very big uh garland fans Yeah, jay you're probably the only person i know who loves this movie as much as i do if not more so yeah um i mean you're not the only one but yeah it's it's few numbers I don't. I don't know many personally. Like, like uh, critics seem to love this movie by and large, and the audience response seems to be generally positive. A lot of people not maybe necessarily knowing exactly what to do with it. But I don't bump into many people personally that have actually taken the time to check it out. It's real. I mean, it came out this year, so hopefully people will have time to catch up with it in the future. But yeah, don't. I don't bump into many uh, annihilation acolytes in person. I hear you. Me neither. Um, so, I mean, I mostly, my role in this is to go, what? And then I want you, uh, I just mostly want you guys to do smart banter. Um, so just so you know who you are and your role in this whole thing. Got it. Um, uh, full disclosure, um, I had seen this not long after it was, uh, in th- or I saw it in theaters. Okay, so you had seen um, this. Uh, on your recommendation. So there was uh, a moment where you were like, oh my gosh, see this thing. And then I was like, oh, I guess I'll go see that thing. Um, it was around the time we talked about Ex Machina on this show, I believe. Yes, I believe so. Um, uh, and so I, I saw it then and I was like, what? And then uh, watching it again, I was like, oh. Okay. Um, so those were my general reactions. So I feel like uh, having said that, um, we are mostly introducing it to anyone who may have missed it yes. um, out in the audience. And also, uh, um, JQ has read the books, so it'll be nice to get a little bit... Or I don't know if you've read all of the trilogy or just no, Annihilation. Yeah, I only, only read the first one. Okay. Um, so right, you've and read these, the these, book. Right, and these are based on... Uh, this is based on Jeff Vandermeer's novel, Annihilation, the first novel in his Southern Reach trilogy. Right. Um, so it'll be nice to do a, a compare... Compare? Comparison? Uh, that's how those words work. A comp or contrast. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I feel like I fe- I feel like I should start this off by talking about how excited I am that we had a uh, a sci-fi movie with four badass ladies, like all all cool in different ways, um, and also like layered in that they're all have like things going on with them but they're also experts it's really nice it's it's great right there are really only two 
males that are significant presences in the movie at all. One is Oscar Isaac, who spends the entire movie having bad things happen to him. Mm -hmm. And the other is Benedict Wong, who's literally only there to ask the lady questions and listen. Yeah. That's really nice. (laughs) It's cute. Um, I want to I wanna ask, too, like, yes, and that is something that obviously uh, in a landscape where sci-fi has been a very uh, dude-heavy genre, especially at the movies, uh, that is obviously very, very nice to see. I want to ask, though, broadly, um, uh, Jay, because I know that you you, uh, you, adore, you adore this work, uh, what, what is it about this movie broadly, this story, that, like, really does it for you? What are the, what are some of the ideas, uh, broadly speaking, that we can maybe dive into in a little bit more detail that really grab you and draw you back to this story? Mm, yeah. So going into it, um, you know, I, I heard all that bad buzz about the the Netflix stuff and, and it was kind of questionable. It was like, oh man, is this Alex Garland's first, you know, bad movie? And I found that hard to, to buy because, you know, I, I think he's a master at what he's been doing. And, um, uh, you know, the, the thing that really struck me was going into it, he posted, uh, I think he did a Reddit AMA where he was like, you know, ask me questions. And someone asked him, what does he think Annihilation brings to the sci-fi genre that hasn't really been done much? And he said one word, psychedelia. So I was like, uh-huh. oh, okay. Uh, I'm a big fan of psychedelic things. Um, so, you know, I was like, what does that mean? And going into it, I kind of had that in my head. So part of me was looking at the film from a psychedelic standpoint. Um, so I really gravitated to that stuff. And then also it was just like the, the use of biology, you know, the, the mixing of, uh, of DNA and, and how, you know, like towards the, the middle of the film, they talk about that the shimmer itself is actually refracting everything, not just radio signals, whatever. It literally refracts everything that's inside of it. And I was like, that's an incredible concept that's never been done. Um, right. In science fiction, and it, yeah, it and includes then, right. It includes their personal biology, but also their minds to a large extent. It seems at a certain point, right, their yeah. individual traumas are refracting off of each other and being now passed and contained within the group as a whole. Yeah, I think uh, in an interview with Alex Garland, that was one of the things that drew him to the story itself is that he was talking about how it felt so completely original and how like a lot of stories that are told now are essentially just retellings of different like older mythology and and different story structures but this in and of itself was a completely new idea right and you have the you have the psychedelica you have the scientific biological aspects but also on top of all of that for me what really really does it for me and i've talked about this on the show before a little bit i'm really into stories uh about trauma and self-destruction it's part of what draws me back to like david lynch uh so frequently is because he's really really good at that but this story on a thematic level is entirely about uh, creation, destruction, and most specifically self-destruction and the fallout of pain and loss and torment. And I, I really dig the way they're able to use that as metaphor and also completely literalize it at numerous points throughout the film. Yeah. <laughs> Tari's just like kind of like, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sorry. I was taking it all in and I was also just thinking about that bear. That bear. Um, yeah. With skulls on his skull. <laughs> when with the skull bear when one skull just isn't enough oh uh, yeah that's a greedy bear that's it's a, a greedy greed, it's bear. A greediest bear all right so before we keep going yeah. um i, I want to talk about the, the psychedelic stuff yes just for because, sure i mean it, it's it's a thing but it's also kind of a minimal thing that it, you know that that's kind of in the, the background of the film um so the way i look at it and you know i don't know if you guys ever done mushrooms or anything but Going into a trip. You know I've done mushrooms. You're you're there once. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, going into a trip, you know, it it can be nerve-wracking, but it can also be exhilarating. It can be freeing. And it felt like each of the main characters, the the five women in the film, each went into the trip, as in the shimmer being the trip. They each went into the trip representing all these different possibilities that one experiences going into a trip. And, I mean, you have – you know, uh, oh, I forget. Uh, was it Raddick was the girl? Uh, uh, Tessa Thompson? <laughs> no, yes, no, the, was the, the other one. The uh, other one who um, the, she looked like Hawaiian kind of. I forget who she is. Oh, Anya. Anya the oh, yeah. Gina Anya. Rodriguez character. Yes. 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 Yeah. So she obviously is the one who's fighting the trip, so to speak. Right. I mean, out of anyone, she would be the one who who clearly is rejecting anything 
that, that she encounters when, when they right. watch the video, right. when they watch the videotape, she's like, well, we know what happened. They went crazy. And then she shuts it off and they're like, well, we need to watch it again. And she's like, no, I'm not watching it. Like she's just completely, you know, shutting herself off to that side of things, um, out of fear really. Um, and then you have, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character, Ventress, who, Oh, I can't remember the exact line now, but when they when she leaves the group to go towards the lighthouse, she she leaves ahead of them in the middle of the night after the the bear attack. She's like, you know, I want to be the same person. I don't want to be the same different person when I get to the lighthouse. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Get she's there intact. She says, um, um, if I don't get to the lighthouse soon, the person who ends this journey won't be the person who started it. I want to right. be the person who ends it. Yeah, some of that. Right, effect. exactly. Um, and then like you know the the way uh. You know, when, when they get in there and then suddenly it's been like, I think, three or four days when, when Natalie Portman wakes up and she's just like, whoa, what happened? You know, yeah. where did the time go? I mean, I feel like that's very uh, trip like, very, very psychedelic for, for you for you to lose track of time like that. Um, and then the way, uh, you know, the, the bear scene happens, it has like this very bad trippy feel to it, like the darkness and there's like the lights are kind of shining right in your face. And right. And on Anya, the one who has been rejecting it, trying to fight it the entire time is the one who ends up internalizing everybody else's trauma and having arguably the worst trip of the entire group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so just all that. And then on a visual level, it was I mean, it was psychedelic as fuck. I, it's towards a the, gorgeous looking yeah, movie. I mean, especially the, the, especially towards the end, you know, the the final I, I mean, the last uh I don't know, 15, 20 minutes are just like cinematic bliss to me, you know, and, and, and there's not much dialogue necessary aside from Ventress, and, uh, you know, giving her a little spiel about Annihilation. Everything is all visually, visual storytelling. And, you know, st- when, when, when you finally get to see what the, the creature or, or the alien actually is when, when it's still in its like, I, I forget what they, they called it. I watched the making of on, on the Blu-ray and they, they called it a, I think it was called a mandel bulb, which is an actual like yes. mathematic thing. That, I, I'm not sure how it works. The but, big like the big pulsating thing down under the lighthouse. Right. Yeah, I've, I've seen the term mandel bulb used uh, in reference to that also. Yeah, right. And that was, I mean, the first time I saw it, I was just lost in it. You know, like like literally my my vision. You know, you, you kind of like get wrapped into what that thing is, and you can't. It's like you can't see it all at once, but you can't focus on one thing because it's always moving. Right. Um, and I feel, I mean, I've had very psychedelic experiences similar to that. And I could totally understand where that's coming from as far as like when he refers to the film as bringing psychedelia to the to the forefront of science fiction. Um, it's funny. I mean, you do literally have characters in this movie staring at their hands going, my fingerprints are moving. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That that stuff, too. Yeah. And, and, you know, when when I first saw it, I saw it with a group of friends and we each walked out and felt something different and I brought up the psychedelic thing and they were like oh I, my mind wasn't even you know thinking of that and when I brought it up it's like oh it does make sense you know like you it, you can go into this film and, and get whatever you want out of it kind of you know right some of my favorites is something else that draws me back to Lynch over and over again also is like uh, some of the best works of art in any medium are works that lend themselves equally to multiple interpretations I love I love seeing the same thing like going online and reading different pieces by different writers who are able to pull completely different pieces of meaning both objective and personal right from uh from this movie uh but like talking about how the thing looks like this thing is absolutely beautiful to look at i mean you don't get uh aesthetically more on the nose psychedelic maybe than the way they depict the shimmer Mm -hmm. basically this giant massive pulsating rainbow horizon that's just present throughout the entire movie. Um, I feel like we got to shout out Rob Hardy, the cinematographer who also shot Ex Machina because the whole, the whole thing has this very like very tense, surreal, but very dreamlike uh, feel to the entire thing. It's like, really it is sure, like walking yeah. through a, like a psych, a psychedelic dreamscape specifically, not just a trip, but like you're, you're inside your own head completely. It's all internal. And this is just sort of the world that you're moving through. Yeah. Um, since you've seen the making of, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about the aesthetics, just um, how much of it was practical and how much of it was um, like visual effects. Like I, I assume that the deer with the uh, tree antlers were definitely visual effects. Um, but like, I assume I also assume that when they put all the tree, di- the different like flower pieces together, 
um, that was all. Yeah, uh, that was all practical. Practical. Yeah, because like the, the the creatures were really the the big uh, digital or CGI enhancements. You know, I mean, they, they show when they they did the, uh, the the bear sequence, and it was just like a guy in a green suit, and then they had um, a physical mock up of what the bear is probably going to look up on a stick that they would like mm. shove in the actors' faces, but a lot of that was was digital. Yeah. Um, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And I think the gator was the same thing, right? Like, didn't they have kind of a piece of the gator on right. set, but then the rest of the thing was filled out digitally? Right. Yeah. Right. They had like a thing that's the size of the gator that they would drag through the water to get the the water effects, and then they just you know digitize the the gator in there. Yeah, because like this the the production design on this movie is phenomenal. Yep. Like all of the especially there's 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 like a uh a beauty in the grotesque I think is the best way to describe yes. how um all of the mutations manifest. Like so there's that moment when you have the guy whose stomach was cut open and like you come back and later he is essentially splattered all over the this wall giant a, tableau, yeah. yeah. Um that in and of itself was just like it's it's gruesome but it's also really amazing to look at it's just it's something they hit in the movie uh pretty explicitly about how like yes they are in a very real sense being annihilated in terms of uh anything they comprehended as uh, uh themselves as what they were but it's not so much that that they're being destroyed it's that they're being fundamentally changed into something else mm-hmm. and as horrifying as that is like the example you just brought up that tableau is pretty stunning to look at oh yeah horrifying right. in its implication but stunning to look at also um yeah I don't know about you, but when I first saw that, that gave me vibes of The Last of Us, the video game. And Alex Garland actually later on said that The Last of Us is one of his favorite games. So I was like, oh, that's, there's got to be a some kind of direct reference That there. makes actually, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And also the, the way that the uh, everything inside the Shimmer looks, how it's all, the, the buildings are all abandoned. They kind of give me that Last of Us reminder, the, 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 the environments that are overgrown with jungle and stuff. For sure. Definitely when they're in the, the replica of... Uh, Lena's house I get right, very right. much get a Last of Us vibe like that shot of her at the bottom of the stairs that mirrors the shot of Kane when he appears earlier in the movie um, that very 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 Last of Us right and that's another thing that I just love about this film is there's so many little tiny things t- to pick out you know like like the fact that we were, we were talking about last night about how the house is like a replica of her own house but you would really never notice that I mean it's or you know unless you're looking for it it's such a hard thing to, to pinpoint I watched it probably three or four times. And then, you know, he, Alex Garland stated that in the making of, and I was like, wow, how did I miss that? You know, it's, it's the, and it's, it's almost the right. exact shot of the, the, the stairs and everything. And it's almost like that house or the shape that that house took might've been something that Kane brought into the shimmer. Right. With him. Right. You yeah. mentioned to me, you mentioned to me that it took you a couple of viewings to realize that Kane's tattoo is a bear. Right. Yeah. That's another one. Yeah. Same thing also with the, then, the, the, the infinity symbol tattoo. Uh, yes. The, uh, the Ouroboros tattoo, which, which we were talking about last night. This was, I think my third time watching it. And I had never keyed into that tattoo that uh, you see Anya has throughout the entire movie. And I think somebody brought up that one of the soldiers uh, that came in in the previous mission had the same tattoo. Yeah, no, it's, it's the same soldier who was like exploded on the wall. With the worm guts. Yeah. So that, that maybe just as a marker of severe trauma, right? He It gets passed around and Lena ends up having it like after, I think it's right after Radic turns into a, a flower person. Yeah. You see it appear on her forearm for the first time and she has it, you know, in the in the present chronology for the rest of the right. movie. And as well as the fact that the the tattoo itself is a symbol of kind of what's going on. You know, it's the, the Ouroboros, like you're saying, it's the thing itself feeding into itself and all these people are kind of combining you know, the, their minds and their DNA and everything into one thing. So, yeah. And then also too, even before uh, the tattoo appears on Lena pretty early in the same scene where Shepard is, is talking to her about everybody's individual traumas and damage and losses. Um, the scene where she tells her that like Radic cuts herself, you see these bruises that have inexplicably appeared right, on right. Lena's arm that seem to have no real point of origin. She seems puzzled by it and doesn't think too much about it, but it's, it's a, literal physical representation of everybody's trauma, everybody's pain, everybody's minds uh, already beginning to refract on each other. Yeah, Guys, I've missed so many of these things. <laughs> and every time you say it, I'm like, Oh, I'm watching your face what? change. Yeah, I know. Um, it's, it's like, 
It's like I'm watching it all over again um, with uh, with commentary. Well, too. So I so so I was talking again, like like we were talking last night about different elements uh, that certainly I had never really keyed into before. Uh, Kane, when when uh, Lena finds his his you know uh, uh, selfie snuff movie in the lighthouse, uh, he's talking in this southern drawl that he doesn't seem to have at any other point in the movie, and I'm wondering now like. Did one of the soldiers he came in with have an accent that he just sort of assimilated? I will say, I, I, I in believe. the beginning, he does have the accent, but it's so it's barely noticeable. I think it, it only you can only hear it on like one sentence that he says. Okay, because it, it like really time, comes through on every line in that last sequence. Right, but at the same time, you could be right because the cane we see at the beginning of the movie is the cane who's the you know the, the duplicate, the result of all this. So who knows? Um, I I feel like I read somewhere that one of like if you go. In the videotape with the worm guts, um, one of the soldiers has a, a southern accent, oh, well, and so like that was transposed. Okay, so that was kind of what I was thinking, and I didn't, I wasn't thinking about it at all when we were watching that portion of the movie with the worm guts again. It wasn't until later when I started to key into the tattoo that I started thinking about all of these other little details. Mm-hmm. Just jumping a little bit to talking about. Uh, everybody's tendency towards self-destruction in this movie or, or the ways like Ventress uh, makes it pretty explicit. She talks about how, um, what is it like every, not, not every, not everybody commits suicide, but everybody self-destructs. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love, I love the ways big and small and overt and subtle that almost every character, almost every character self-destructs in this movie. Even, even like, the dude, uh, Dan, the guy she's having an affair with, who's in like two scenes in the entire movie. Yeah. Even he, the first time you see him when they're when they're talking like outside of her class, he references that he's got a wife, and apparently their marriage is at least surface level solid enough that they're having like a barbecue and having a bunch of people over. Yeah. So he's he's also this character with with two scenes in the entire movie. That's right. There's another male that I forgot about. <laughs> uh. uh he is also in two scenes. We get a picture of a guy with who maybe has a pretty solid life, making self-destructive, self-sabotaging right. decisions. Right? Why would you invite your mistress to your barbecue with you're your wife? Really, you're asking for so much trouble at that right. point. Right? That's like you're begging to be caught. I mean, or maybe he was like, "I think I can weasel a threesome <laughs> out of this. We got to get. We just got to get her to the barbecue, no, and then you know, next thing you know, I feel like it's the equivalent of like the Zodiac writing letters to the newspaper." <laughs> or like, like he brings him to both places, and then he sends his wife a note, like, "Mr. Policeman, I gave you all the clues." <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, every serial killer wants to get caught. They want that sweet, sweet fame, baby. You know, except for Jack the Ripper, he just liked that 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 uh, them screams. Yeah, he didn't do it for the He's accolades. He the did screams. it because he loved the work. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's because he didn't live in L.A. Am I right, guys? Am I right, guys? All right, all the guys here are high fiving me. LA is a toxic place. Oh yeah. <laughs> slap, 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 slap. I'm waiting for the first like Instagram serial killer. <laughs> I'm actually really stunned that we haven't had one of those yet. Um, I mean, I think we've had movies about it. It's something. really, I mean, it's, it's tough, right? Cause our, our devices are all basically like GPS locators now. Yeah. So it'd be really tough to get away with, but you'd think some, some entrepreneurial bloodthirsty son of a bitch would have figured out a way around it by now. I mean, Lex, Write that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's going to be all about a young man named Tari J. Miller who moves to L.A. and loses himself in the morass and eats a lot of mushrooms and sees a trippy rainbow horizon and takes Instagram photos of making everybody's guts dance. He's like, look, I'm Alex Garland making Annihilation. <laughs> but he's just sort of cutting people open and like grabbing their intestines and making them move around like worms and shit. Aww. And then gramming it. I really like it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like the solution, this is, I guess this is dark, um, but is to have, is to always just tag your Instagram from your victim's gram. So like essentially you just, uh, kill them, have them tag it, and so like that's what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, no, 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 you can always just do it with their account. What you do is right. You, you right, you have them unlock, like do the thumbprint, have them unlock their phone. Yeah, and then you gram the murder on their account, and then send it, and then you just kind of leave the phone there. Right. I mean, now all you need is faces. Uh, you just snap their, you have their face. It unlocks. It also unlocks their bank account. So like, just send some money to yourself while you're at it. We're going to get calls from the FBI is what's going to happen now. They're going to be like, 
write that movie. Yeah, I was like, it. we want to see we that. We love it. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> One of them just steals the idea, writes it first. Oh, no. Yeah. Please, cop, copyright patent pending. Uh, all rights reserved. Uh, trademark. Uh, what is there another one? Uh, WGA certified. Uh, grade A beef. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, 2% milk. Mm-hmm. Gluten-free. Hell yeah. Pasteurized. Anyway, so <laughs> um, I I I'm going back to the bear um, really quickly because we we touched on it a little bit earlier. I just want to talk about how um, it was the second instance of a human voice coming out of something that it wasn't that it's not supposed to, and um, the first one being the ruins in which. Um, these plants made uh made noises to attract people so that it could eat them yes um this one this time being a bear and i thought that it was so my friend when they were talking to me about this movie were like um i have a thing against human noises coming out of animals and I, mean, I was like i mean it's horrifying yes why would you why would you have a thing for it it's horrifying i mean i don't know Maybe that's your thing. Maybe that's your kink. You're like, oh man, I love when dogs go, aravru. Um, How often does that happen? It happens all the time. Check the internet. Um, but I, I did really like that aspect in that, like, there's this, there's that moment when um, Tessa Thompson's character is talking about how, um, since everything is refracting, her final thoughts and her final like cries. Not even internally, because when I this time when I was watching it, I was trying to figure out if she had yelled "Help me!" at any point while she was being dragged away. And uh, it was just Shepard. Yeah, yeah. The just, again, if you haven't figured this out, kids, we're just spoiling the crap out of this movie. Uh, the bear, yes, uh, Shepard is off first, and the bear just sort of drags her off into the wilderness, right? Where it apparently like feasts upon the bottom half of her face, including the vocal cord region. Yeah, and now is screaming like. She presumably was screaming as as she was being eaten by a bear. Yeah, this bear really likes throats. It's all about them throats. Um, talk about also, throat coat. Also, a pretty smart bear. I mean, it just ran in, grabbed her, and took off. You know, so yeah. it knew what it was doing. <laughs> yeah, man, bear. This this the bear specifically has like the highest stealth I've ever seen. Yeah, because um, you would think that like especially a for bear, a bear that screams. Right. Yeah. It'd be like, gung, 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 or I'm a bear. But like this one, it's like, <laughs> hey guys, I've been in this room the whole time. Hey guys, I'm a bear. Just kidding. Hey guys, I'm a bear. <laughs> Look, I've got a skull on my skull. I've been here the whole time. <laughs> I've actually been, been walking with you. I've been in your backpack. <laughs> um, I mean, and you could assume that potentially... The intelligence of the people who have gone into the shimmer have kind of funneled into the the animals and the plants and things of that sort as well. Sure. And so, like, it is it is a better trapper because it has feasted on the the like thoughts and, and ideas of the soldiers who essentially are trained killers. Mm, that's not Which a bad tracks. one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so that's not a bad one. Oh well, thank that's you guys. Great. I mean, thank I you. Hadn't well, thought of I, it myself. I have smart thoughts every so often. Well done. Oh, yeah. Good Hell job. yeah. Thank Way you. Way to go. Oh, man. All right. Well, this is the end of my show. You guys, that, that, that's my peak. I've peaked, so, guys. Whoa, he's he's leaving. Oh, he's just he's just walking out into the sea. He's taking his shoes off. He's There he goes. Oh, he swam real fast. Can't. He's gone. Oh, he's still got his mic, though. That's pretty good. It's an impressive, impressive sound, impressive sound setup he has. He's, I mean, I could probably go get him, but like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, I'm, I don't want to take my shoes off. So, Hello, uh, I'm Tari's uh, twin brother. Oh, <laughs> you, you guys realize. can't see this, but I have my finger above my <laughs> under my nose, like it's a mustache. I'm stupid. Um, I'm, anyway. uh, that's very convincing. Um, thank you. Oh wow, you um, just removed your finger, and now you are utterly indistinguishable <laughs> from your twin brother. That's why we're twins. Um, I'm Tari without a U in my name. Um, anyways, Tari. Yeah. No, it's sorry. It's the same. It's the same. Um, but yeah, so I feel like we can't 
not talk about the ending. Yes. Um, there are a lot of different interpretations. Um, a lot of people see um, the... Uh, there is a running theory um, about what it means, but I'd like to get your interpretations of what the ending means. Which, if you care to... Which part of the ending specifically? Um... I, I I would say start with the dance and then uh, get to the hug. Okay. Okay. Start. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you you go first. Okay. Me? So me? Yeah, me. Or actually, yeah, you. actually, you know what, Tari, you go first since it seems like you you genuinely are are unsure. What is your best? Throw a dart at the board real quick and just see where it lands. Um. I mean, I think that I I know that. Well, I've done a lot of like research, so like I have a lot of different interpretations in my brain. Um, I know that like the, the main theory is that essentially um, the shimmer or the, like the, the, I don't know what to call the, the mimic formation, the mimic construct um, uh, essentially took away her, her self-destructive aspects. And that's why it like destroyed itself at the end um, and so the her that left uh, was without that in the same way that the um, the Oscar Isaac that left um, also doesn't have that self-destructive something or other, um, even though from the moment you meet him, he is literally dying. All of his insides are, are being destroyed, um, but not not self-destructing. Right. Well, I guess that depends on how you want to stretch the definition of that word, because right. his, his body is essentially self-destructing. Yes. Um, so there's that aspect of it. Um, I mean, there's, there's another idea that like, uh, and this is one that I had keyed into is that like the, after, after the dance, essentially in the moment that they touch, um, Natalie Portman's character, Lena, um, essentially switches forms with the, um, the mimic construct uh, which could be justified by the idea that like Natalie Portman's character walks out of the the lighthouse and as the mimic construct is is burning up, it like goes to the the body of her husband and like touches its face and that catches on fire and then it like leans and it's like, oh, I'm dying and so like something else catches on fire and then it goes to the the center of the the whole Shapil. Sh- sh- um, the whole shebang, yeah. It goes to the center of the whole shebang and is like, "Oh man, I'm dying." As uh, which is different from what the mimic construct had been doing previously, which was just like not dying. mimicking. Um, yes, um, it didn't have a, a will of its own, so it it seems odd that it would essentially do all of those things that have their own like specific meaning or nuance behind well at that point it had already definitely assimilated more of lena maybe yeah because that was after it turns into like an actual like it's got portman face now right (laughs) portman 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 um but yeah that's true um i just feel like it would be interesting if they had switched bodies and she's like oh shit i'm this thing now and i'm dying how do i how do i not die right I okay, so I like I like what you were saying a minute ago about um, <laughs> I reject the rest. <laughs> I don't, no, 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 no. I'm still stuck on uh, this idea of her actually conquering her self-destructive tendencies to a certain degree, and that's um, sort of a, a representation of that metaphorically. I like it. My reading of of that whole dance. I mean, it's I I'm viewing it through a very personal prism, mm-hmm. and I've definitely seen at least one other writer somewhere on the internet uh, interpret it the same way. It it's all as good a representation physical representation as i've seen of what depression feels like a good deal of the time okay you just have this essentially this mirror self that you can't it's doing what you do it's it's right it's right there it's right with you it's doing exactly what you do but it's constantly getting in your way you cannot get away from it it is constantly essentially blocking you from the things that you need from the things that you want to such an extent like it literally smothers her against the wall at one point yeah Kind of like that. Interesting. So I like your reading of of her because it's it's a nice it's nice it's optimistic. It's uh of her actually being able to conquer a lot of those elements of herself. I don't know that I think it that that's 
you know, it's the quote unquote, like right interpretation, if there can be a right interpretation. But I like that reading of it because it's like, oh, if she can, if she can beat the scary depression monster, then maybe there's hope for all us young Natalie Portman's out there in the world fighting the, the CG depression monster. That's true. Uh, what about you, Jay? Um, Do you have a, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I kind of agree with parts of both of what you guys said. Um, to me, you know, the, the mirror dance thing, um, specifically when she tries to run for the door, I took that as like, she's trying to run away from her problems in a sense and her problems aren't going to let her. And that's why like it crushes her against the door and the harder she fights, the more it pins her to the door. But when she finally, when she finally relaxes or, you know, you know, has no choice, but to succumb to it, it, you know, falls off of her. Um, and then, you know, the same thing with the, when you guys are talking about like how she hands it the phosphorus grenade and, kind of like trades with it is what it seems it's like yeah she's you know it, her self-destructive side is dying here and her new uh, self is emerging from it i mean the whole place burns down you know kind of reminds me of the metaphor of the phoenix how it burns down and is reborn from the ashes um yeah but the other thing for me is and this is kind of a, a little different from what we're talking about but the creature itself and and i i have questions that are that'll never be answered because they're unanswerable they're you know I, even in the making of alex garland says that we just don't understand what it is you know so like a lot of what the creature does you're trying to project what you think it's doing or what its intentions and its goals are but like it seems that it apparently doesn't really have any or, or none that we can understand and there's like an alienness to everything it does you know and an otherness and unknown that, that we can't comprehend so it's like well, why did it trade places with Oscar Isaac, but then it went inside of Fentress, but then it mirrored Natalie Portman, you know, and it seems like it's doing all these things at random, but I'm pretty sure that somewhere in there you can find how what it's doing with each individual person is reflective of their own trauma and self-destruction. Obviously, right. yeah, the, um, the cancer is inside of Fentress, so it goes inside of her and sort of like freeze her from that by dis- disintegrating And she seems her. to completely, right, right. And in that scene, it seems like she has made a decision, uh, whether whether actively or entirely of her own volition or not, to completely surrender to it. And that is why it is able to sort of, uh, uh, yeah, turn her into light energy the way that it does. Right, right. Yeah, and you could also, uh, by that interpretation, uh, uh, I guess apply it to Oscar Isaac's character and that, you know, that he knew that Lena was cheating. Yeah. And so there's a, there's this idea that like, there's, there's no way that he could go back in, in, in good conscience. There's no right. way he could forgive her. And so like that essentially was a better alternative and to let this thing go in his place that didn't have the same destructive tendency that, that he would. So it's, it's a better version of him being able to forgive where he could not. And I and I like the idea of Lena maybe being somewhere in between the two, mm-hmm. and that's why we have this 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 dance. This I mean, it's literally a dance, and I think they refer to it right in a lot of the special right, features right. as. By the way, a dance. that that actress yeah. who with, plays the creature is the same actress from Ex Machina, the Asian robot girl. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, I yeah. did know that. <laughs> that's that's right. That's a thing that is true. Um, but yes, so we get so we get uh, Lena very literally at odds with herself, herself literally split. Uh, mirror image one, one representing her her I guess uh, all of her self destructive tendencies, her trauma, and one expressing I guess the the more idealized uh, person that she would like to be free of all of that baggage. She's literally in a dance with herself. I like this idea. I like this idea that that does sort of exist on the spectrum somewhere between. Kane and right, Ventress. Right. Dude, yeah. I also had a, um, this is kind of, I feel like this is my own theory and, and no one else I've talked to seems to agree with me on this, but it seemed to me that at the very end of the film, like the final two shots with their, their eyes changing colors signifying that, you know, some part of the creature or whatever is still within them. If not, it is them. We're not sure. But to me, it seemed like throughout the film, maybe the creature's goal was to duplicate itself as in like a reproduction but, but it couldn't do that because all it could do was, like, make everything else itself, too. Do, does that make sense? I'm going to go, no. <laughs> mm, uh, uh, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Elaborate. So, you know, th- at the end, it, let's say the creature is still in both of them, right? 
but they are two completely separate entities mm-hmm. now. They are Lena, maybe mixed with the creature, and Kane, maybe mixed with the creature. But they are not both the same creature anymore. Whereas before, everything that right. was affected by the creature was like all within, everything that was in the shimmer was all kind of like, you could say it's all one thing or like it's all affecting everything, you know, on, on different levels. But they weren't like, there weren't completely separate entities. There was only been one creature or one alien. But now it seems like there's two of them. Yeah. And then if you look at the way the visual uh, metaphor for all the times we see cells and, and, and blood and everything in the movie and how like the cells always duplicate and then like, when Fentress gets disintegrated, pieces of her light essence are like splitting off into two. And then, you know, the the, the, the glass of water that uh, Lena's touching and then the, the water spreads into two separate things. It's almost to me like a, you know, a, a background kind of goal here was that maybe the creature was trying to make a, a second version of itself as opposed to what it was. Because it, it seems like it couldn't affect or it couldn't change the way that it was affecting the environment. It just did that automatically. It had no say in it. So that's just right. kind of what how I, I okay. interpreted the, the very ending is that now there's two of them, it, it, as well as like all the the self destructive yeah. tra- traumatic metaphors as well. You know, I'm not discounting those. Yeah, that that's ultimately like that's the reading of it that I keep coming back to is like, all right, whether or not like this is literally the same cane that went in, or it is a completely different organism that that is made up of different elements of Kane and whatever else he absorbed in there. I like the idea that like, it's almost immaterial whether or not it's, it's the same Lena that came out uh, as went in, because ultimately, even if it, it is in a literal sense, right. It's still, it changed, isn't right. You don't, you don't, Right. You don't come right. away from trauma the same person. We we literally we make this explicit early in the movie when Shepard is telling Lena about right, how she lost right. her daughter. And she says, I had to mourn two people, my daughter and the right. person I once was. Mm-hmm. So regardless of whether or not this Lena is an extension of the, the creature, an entirely new creature, she is fundamentally changed irrevocably by what she has experienced. So I really like on a metaphorical right. level, I really like that last moment. Yeah. As well as uh, the psychedelic aspect. I mean, it's the same thing. If anybody who's ever had like a really hardcore trip, you know, like once you're in, you're in and there's no going back. And, and when you come out of it, you're kind of different for in some way, you know, and I, I think that that holds true in the film as well. Yeah. Can I uh, I want to circle back to your interpretation just because it really got me thinking about this idea of because the way that I, I'm I'm hearing your description is that like. The shimmer uh, it was looking to reproduce, but it could only consume, um, which makes... In a sense, yeah. When this is just completely my theory, you know, like I didn't read this anywhere. No, no, no. Yeah, it, it just, it sparked me to, it inspired me. Because um, then it, it also, in a way, I guess, uh, another aspect of that is that it could essentially be, like, it could be taken as like a white blood cell in that white blood cells don't reproduce they are created and then they do their job and then they die um and then the people going in there could essentially be interpreted as like viruses and that like especially uh the ones that make it out they're more like rna vir- uh, rna viruses like retroviruses that take a piece of information of that um that cell and then essentially make themselves immune to it um so them having a piece of the shimmer with them as they and and also because a big part of retroviruses is they go in they re, they replicate themselves um, in using the DNA of the cell itself um, and then they essentially explode and become become multiple versions of themselves with that cell itself um, imprinted upon it um, so like even if it was the and even if it was the intention of the shimmer to reproduce as opposed to like consume or whether it was essentially there it was just doing its job as like a a cell and then it was introduced to this other viral aspect these self-destructive um constructs that were introduced to it um replicated and then essentially destroyed it from the inside out and then now have gone into the world um with a piece of it within them really is an interesting concept yeah i I like that yeah yeah (laughs) um yeah uh all right another thing can we just real quick can we just talk about the score 
Yes, yeah, that was, yeah. that was the very next film. thing. Very next thing that I wanted to bring up the score by uh, Ben Salisbury and also Jeff uh, Barrow from Portishead. Oh, I didn't know he was from Portishead. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, so we get this really cool mix of like this very folksy guitar, this sort of riff that keeps coming back throughout the movie, and then also these really kind of deep like electric droning sounds which i i mean this in earnest oh i love that this, right this is the kind of film score that like really does it for me mm-hmm. yeah yeah man yeah. um I, I i like the the guitar but i feel like the more it got the more it got used throughout the film the less i cared for it i really liked it when it when it introduces the meteor in the beginning but then like by the third or fourth time we hear it it, it just kind of felt more like an indie piece or something that like didn't fit to me especially when when it's uh, Lena walking through the woods to find uh, Shepard's body and the, the guitar comes over it. And it, it just kind of, I don't know, it didn't work for me there. But, you know, I like the, the minimal use of it. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I feel like uh, it's unfortunate that it got a such a limited theatrical release. Because I feel like when you're in the theater and you have that, like, nice droney, um, overwhelming uh, sound all around you it introduces another just kind of layer of unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'm sad that most people had to miss out on that because it it is such, it adds such another, uh, level to the, uh, just the foreignness of the whole shimmer. I would definitely encourage if, if you can, if you want to check this movie out, you obviously like with any movie, just biggest screen that you can find. But if you don't have massive uh, surround speakers in your home, uh, as I do not, uh, I would suggest like get like the best pair of like HD noise canceling headphones you can and watch it that way, because it's true. Like without that soundscape, you are missing an element of the experience. Right. Um, also, I love the uh, like the horror kind of theme that that pops up here and there, especially when they're watching the videotape. Um, and it, it's 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 almost you don't even. I, I mean, the first time I saw it, I didn't really even notice it, but it's like it just sounds like someone moaning in the background, where it's like a whoo, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, yeah. It, and it, it plays throughout, but it's just like subtle enough to kind of like, man, this shit is really creepy, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I love that. And right, and like you almost it, uh, you described it as almost having a vocal quality to it. So it's almost like the the shimmers refracting human pain onto the score, Man, onto the the non diegetic score. Oh, jeez, yeah. sweet, mm, unsettling. Right, you look very uncomfortable. I am uncomfortable. <laughs> I would never go into the shimmer. It seems terrible. And the see, and the see, folksy guitar. You know that's folksy a thing. guitar is because he was Lewin Davis. Um, wait, <laughs> wait. What is the thing? No, that uh, the the people I've watched it with, I've asked like, would you go in not knowing what's in there? And I think I really would. And I don't know what that says about me as a person, but I just find like that level of unknown so enticing that I would not be able to turn it down. I don't know about you guys. I feel like I'm with you, honestly, especially <laughs> if if like a lot of these characters, I'm at a point in my life where I have less to lose at a certain point. It's like, what what is the worst thing that happens when you go in there? You you die, I guess. But yeah. you would experience something so profound that no one else so, has experienced. Right. Right. And like, unfortunately, you wouldn't really be able to go tell anybody about it because you're a, a plant now. Well, you might um, you might, you know, because that's another thing is I realized that there's nothing stopping them from leaving the shimmer. You know, they just walk in. There's nothing to say they can't walk out. They choose to stay or maybe the place That's true. eventually maybe the place eventually them to stay, but yeah. Right, eventually Lena ostensibly does walk out. True, yeah, but it's gone then. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, the main thing preventing them from leaving is uh that they don't know which direction is out. Um and also the murderous animals and stuff right but, so but like, i'm just saying like the they, they could have walked in spent like five minutes in there and walked right back out and just stood by the border i mean i know this we're not you know it's, it's a movie why would they do that but it's right it seems like, like if, that they, if they get in planted well so right like you like we get through the entire first act and their first day in the shimmer it's like we what what happened well by our ration count we've been here three days and they all look at each other and go fuck this yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah man um I'm also thinking too, going back to like uh, a lot of their reactions and their experiences as as uh, metaphors for a, a, a trip, whether good or bad. I do like that Radic, the one who eventually 
uh, it really first fully surrenders to the trip literally becomes one with everything. Mm-hmm. Mm. I like that too. It was, it was, I don't like things growing out of people. Um, sure. So it was, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Body uh, horror, so man. I think like of all the deaths, that one seemed like particularly unsettling to me. Like I can see someone get their throat ripped out, but have someone have like a plants growing out of their, their arms and their limbs and invading their, their skin pieces. I'm like, I'm out. Right. This is this. I'm done. <laughs> see you guys later. I'm, uh, it's been fun. Yeah. Um, but that's just me. <laughs> it's just me. Maybe, maybe I'm alone. Um, all right. So another thing <laughs> that I wanted to talk about before we wrap up, I guess, as uh, yes, the the novel, um, Annihilation. Uh, yes, I read it like right after seeing the movie because I was like, I gotta know what what's going on here. You know, I was really hoping it would tell me more about the alien because I'm just like fascinated. I want to know where that alien came from. Like, what is that planet like? You know, um, but sure. you know, so so the the novel is almost like completely identical and completely different in, in the weirdest of ways. It's a short novel. It's 200 pages. I highly recommend it. Um, a fascinating counterpiece to the movie as, as well. Um, and the, the novel starts when they're already in the shimmer and you, you get it from Lena's point of view, although none of the characters have names, they're just referred to as like the psychiatrist or the biologist. Um, but she's in there and some of her crew has already gone missing. And, they actually have this thing in the book that's uh, like an underground tunnel and they try to descend it, but they're like, don't understand it. Cause there's like organic writing in English on the walls as if like nature wrote with its own parts. And it, it, it's really hard to describe, but um, there's a whole thing about this tunnel in the, in the book about like slowly descending further into the unknown. And I think that the film captured that in a different sense as in, the, they, they literally keep going further into the unknown. It's just not a downward journey. And for anyone who knows like Japanese uh, uh, cinema and, and stuff, they have a big thing with like descending further down and down and down into the unknown or, or into evil or into hell kind of that, that seems to be a, a thing in Japanese culture. Um, and I think that it's sort of like, t- you know, metaphorically done in this is like the film starts completely in the real world outside of all this. And then we move into the Southern reach into area X and then we move into the shimmer and then we move deeper and deeper into the shimmer until we move into the lighthouse. And then we literally go down into, you know, the, the, the cave or whatever that's in the lighthouse. So it's just like a constant progression of furthering and furthering into the unknown. And the, the book does that as well. It's just in a different way. Um, and, and while the book isn't necessarily about her cheating on her husband, there's a lot that has to do with her and her, relationship to her husband um but what the thing is the the creature is completely different in the book and i won't spoil it because it's totally worth reading it's just another batshit crazy idea that is awesome um highly recommend it annihilation jeff vandermeer right like the 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 ending is completely right different right. from what i understand like a lot of people were making a big deal not like complaining about it but making a pretty big deal about how different right. the ending of the movie is well because it, it needed to be self-contained and the the book is a series, so like there are two other right, books. Right, right. And uh, my friend read exists. the second one. Um, I, I do plan on reading the other ones, just haven't gotten to them. But apparently, they're also like very different. I guess the second one focuses on a psychologist who is at the Southern Reach but doesn't go into the Shimmer. So I'm not even sure what that plot is like. But the other thing that we got to remember is that Alex Garland said that he read the book. And then wrote the screenplay and never went back to the book to refer to it or anything. And he kind of like wrote his screenplay based on like what he felt and got and took away from the book as well as like a fever dream he was having about all these concepts. So it's not even really that much of an adaptation unless you're looking at the basic structure and the idea of the shimmer and, and all that. Like I know I know at the end of this story because they do they they tie everything up despite the ambiguity of the ending. They tie everything up insofar as she does destroy the shimmer to the best we can tell. Uh, I, I longed for a world in which this movie had been a runaway success so that we'd get just a <laughs> slew of these. Like they'd make like annihilation two, And the first scene is just the shimmers like I'm back and just starts, <laughs> starts pulling people in. I want a whole like series of spinoffs, just the shimmer showing up in other movies where it doesn't necessarily belong. Like I want, I want, 
I want Christopher Robin in the shimmer where he's like assimilating with poo and he's just like a weird Christopher Robin poo rabbit chimera that's screaming as it wanders around London. I want I want Mission Impossible 7 to be in the shimmer where Ethan Hunt's just assimilating with like Henry Cavill's body and shit. Uh, I need it. I need all of these. I'm into it. I mean, the only thing you need to do to have the shimmer come back is you just have like... Uh, Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaac's characters look at each other. They like nod their heads and then their mouths open larger than they're supposed to. And then the shimmer just starts flowing out of them. Um, And they're like, oh, guess the shimmer's back. I guess it never left. And then everyone's like, new stars. (laughs) What? Yeah, because everyone's dead from the first movie. So you need new stars. That's true. And you can get Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaac back for just one scene. And it's just that first scene, right? So then when the shimmer comes out, they sort of turn into energy like Ventress. Yeah. And then new, just totally new actors uh, like, but like lower, like when they recast Keanu Reeves for Speed Two, mm-hmm. like that kind of step downward, right? A little bit. But Oscar Isaac and Natalie Portman will still do the press tour. They're gonna be like, "Yeah, we really loved working on this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's been so exciting. We can't wait for you this guys sounds, to see it." This sounds like Metal Gear Solid Two when everyone <laughs> found out it was riding. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's that's oh man that'll be the the like subtitle will be like Annihilation Two Raiden and they'll be like what does that mean and then everyone will be like oh they don't they done fucked us they done they done fucked us real good Dude, I already the, bought my ticket and I'm real sad this though is how you do another Twenty One Jump Street you just set it in the <laughs> shimmer and you have Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill as this monstrous hybrid creature solving <laughs> crimes yeah I don't want that. <laughs> It's like, I'm the straight-laced one, and I'm the crazy one. And it's just one guy waving his arms, but just weirdly misshapen. None of his features go together. Yeah, um, but I like Ice it. Cube is still one person. Yeah. He's like, yo, get, get down in that shimmer. Ice, I, what? <laughs> That's a bad Ice Cube impression. Ice Cube is the one person that seems immune to the effects of the shimmer. Yeah. Yeah. He's like... Man, I don't shimmer. The, his <laughs> what? His no. It was a. It was a good day. Is about the day he realized he was immune to the shimmer. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that lyric. Yep. He's like, he's like, hop down a tree. Ain't no hog. Shimmer ain't got no shit on me. And then he just keeps going. He's like, seventy six is one. How fun. Your ice cube sounds like Yogi Bear. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe. The only the only time I've ever tried to do a Ice Cube impression was uh, after Anaconda, where he'd be like, "Snakes out there this big." Um, what? That's, Snakes out there this big. Those that's that's what his line, his big line. I need to see Anaconda again. Have you, yeah, because um, they find the the husk or like the 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 skin of the giant anaconda, and uh, J Lo's like. What are we gonna do? And uh, Owen Wilson's like, I'm already dead by this point. And Doesn't then, he get eaten by the snake? Uh, well, I guess how else, would he, how else would he die? I guess in the the well, killer snake movie. Actually, I think no. Yeah, he he gets eaten, but before that, he somehow swallows a wasp that um, blocks his his. Oh yeah, yeah, his, and they yeah. gotta cut his throat. Yep, yep, yep. Wow. Yeah, dang, I forgot about that. There was a there was a run, there was a couple of movies at least where Owen Wilson dies pretty horribly around that time. Yeah. It was The Haunting he was in oh, yeah. where like that giant swinging lion head takes his head off. Mhm. That's right, yeah. Um, um great. I mean Owen Wilson. Yeah, had to be really fun for him. Wow. Wow. Uh Snakes out there this big? <laughs> uh no, now I need to see an Ice Cube Anaconda hybrid. <laughs> it's pretty much it's just it he looks like the genie basically it's just uh, uh or like a mer person it's just ice cubes torso and from waist down he's a giant snake oh i imagined it being like a giant snake just with ice cubes head being like this snake's big enough or or something <laughs> something stupid where he's like uh like he comes out and then sir mixalot's like Oh shit, we mixing it up. This anaconda don't want none unless no. you got buns, hun. No. And he's like, and they're like it's the first time Sir Mix-a-Lot and Ice Cube have been together. Oh man, so crazy. No, you're canceled. Okay. All right. Yeah, well, I, don't wanna, I don't I don't want to see that movie. Okay. 
Fine, forget it. This show is over. Thanks, guys, for joining us here on Missing Out. Uh, <laughs> um, no, but seriously, uh, we are we're wrapping up. Jay, thank you for joining us. Uh, this has been a really fun conversation. Yeah, man. Uh, is there where can the people find you if they want to keep up with what you're what you're doing? What's going on in your life? Uh, Instagram Munchy King one three one Munchy with an I E at the end. Awesome. And we will uh, we will include a link to your published story. Um, also, yeah, if you wanna if you wanna go to Amazon and buy uh, the book where you can find JQ Salazar's story, or if you wanna jump online and pick up a copy of Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer, uh, sorry, how do how do people do that? How do people uh, they just help hit, kick us a little? They back? just hit that sweet sweet link in our description. We'll also tweet it out, baby. click our link, buy the things. Click our link. Buy the things. Click our link. Buy the things. Bye. Bye, Lex Michael. Where can they find you? Tone now. Y'all, y'all remember that time that Justin Timberlake played Boo Boo? That was the thing. Anyway, you can you can find me all over social media at the Lex Michael and Tari. You you mentioned to me last week that we've been doing this show for a year now. Yeah, which is pretty bonkers. It's awesome. I don't think I've ever done anything for a year. Um, I mean, except lived, I guess. No, that's true. No, um, he takes he takes a, a hibernation break in the winter. But anyway, doesn't really count. No, it doesn't. I'm not. I'm not living. Come on, what's living? There's being alive, and then there's and then there's live debatable. Anyway, uh, thank you guys, everybody who listens, everybody who stuck with us uh, this past year. We're gonna keep doing more stuff. Uh, keep keep sticking with us because we we love you. We're great. There's no show without you guys. Without you guys, it's just me and Tari saying stupid shit to each other. That's true. Um, and we say a lot of stupid shit, and we're, we're glad that you guys can laugh with us and share on in, in like the social medias and all that stuff. Um, we really appreciate it. We uh, are, are, are trying to keep growing and trying to do new cool stuff, trying to get you guys involved as much as possible. So uh, thanks again. Keep growing with us, guys. Yes. And uh, let, us, let us keep hearing from you because we, we love you. Yeah. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Um, mwah, mwah, mwah. Speaking of Actually, that, yeah, oh. I didn't. I didn't ask. We're strangers. I didn't ask to kiss you. That's very presumptuous on my part. No, it was like a. It was like a blowing a kiss, not like kissing you. Or like the way, like, like you know, like uh, Europeans will do it, just as a hello, just like a. Oh, like on the like on the, like cheek to cheek. Yeah, like a cheek to cheek. Yeah, like mwah, mwah. right, right, right. It was right, like right. that. It was. Got it was classy. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the classiest. Yeah. Um. Every time you do it, like a, a tie rolls from your neck. Um, and a suit appears around your body just for that one moment. But it's screaming like a person. Yes, of course. Um, you can also find me at Tari J. It's T-A-U-R-I-J-A-Y. You can also find me on the Rider Dice podcast. We just released another episode. Um, so go check that out. Uh, one other thing, if you want to keep up with this show, you can follow us on Twitter at Missing Outcast. That's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. Um, and also if you want to be a part of the show, uh, make sure that you hit us up on the Missing Out hotline, babies. All you got to do is call 978 Miss Out. That's 978-647-7688. And uh, leave us a voice message and we will integrate it into Missing Out Mondays. Just let us know what you're into, guys. Um, so cool. That brings an end to this week's show. Once again, thank you, Jay, for joining us. This has been a, such a fun conversation. Yay. Oh yeah. Guys, tune in next week for whatever we're talking about. Bye. But then, now you get to pipe in the screaming bear sound. Help me. <laughs>